The three screens of this triptych show rooms and red-carpeted corridors in a local government building. On the left, we look along the length of a long, high-arched corridor lined with polished mahogany doors and cream-painted walls. It changes to another corridor lined with arched windows and the left with white male busts beneath. The right-hand screen shows a long corridor curving away to the right through two open doorways with rooms between them. It changes to an ornately decorated corridor with French gilded sofas along the walls. The middle screen shows the detail of a mural on the wall of a large office. The Roman Senate is in session, the white-robed members sitting in wooden bench seats with rounded backs that enclose a central orator. Left and right, rows of red plush seats arc round in a modern council chamber. In the middle, we look down from high above into the red-carpeted horseshoe-shaped chamber. A man sitting at a keyboard with his back to us in the centre of the chamber appears microscopic from this distance, surrounded as he is by the tiers of curved seats expanding around him and on the screens left and right. On the left, the man, dressed in a black suit and tie and white shirt, sits in profile looking down at his work. On the right, his fingers play the unusual keyboard, like a piano, but with only two sets of ten keys, one for each hand. As he plays, a small machine the size of a credit card machine prints out words on a thin roll of white paper, like a receipt. In the middle screen, words appear on a computer screen before him. They read... As, for example, the language in which my grandfather dreams now he is dead or living, muttered in his sleep. Clouds flow to a different breath. Daylight moons hatch from the stillness of a different dark where owls drop from the sun. Dirt-coloured starlings by other names than we know them gather the dusk. Grain by grain let fall the shadow of their bodies. On the right, the paper roll prints unintelligible words, while on the left, the man sits with his back to us, facing the gilded, throne-like chairs of the leaders of the chamber raised on a high dais. As the man continues to operate the keyboard, the paper roll prints the gobbledygook that is, in turn, translated onto the computer screen. On the left, we look down on the man from the raised dais. Behind him, ten tiers of red-upholstered bench seats rise up around him. Above the seats, eight dark wood pillars support the unseen roof around the circumference of the chamber. In the middle screen, the words on the computer read, Hummingbirds, like Giotto's tear-stained kamikaze angels, sorrow, 
having learned their names in a dead language, is entree to a steel-meshed aviary or table of contents, some grey jardin des plantes. Grandfather mumbles our names in earth. We come to light out of his mouth, oracular bubbles. I range through the thesaurus for a word, homesickness, yearning of grandsons for a language the dead still speak, the dying in their sleep still mutter, the advent of common objects strange upon the tongue. On the right, the hands still over the keyboard and lift away. On all three screens we back along the lengths of different corridors, one with empty bookcases along the wall, another under a wood clock hanging from the ceiling. Then three different views of the same large pillared room. We back along a dark brown floor polished to a reflective sheen. In the middle we back away from the frosted glass double doors. On the left, the doors are to our left and we back away from an oil painting, too distant to see the details. On the right, we back onto the polished floor from a carpeted corridor through glass double doors. We back from the room into a different circular chamber with red leather sofas at the front and benches at the back. In the middle screen, a woman with long curly hair and wearing a black suit sits with her back to us in the middle of the chamber playing an upright piano. Slowly we approach her from behind, while on the left and right we slip past the bench seating on the left and the leather sofas on the right. On the left-hand screen, words are printed on a page of sheet music between the staves. Such ordinary events are poems in another tongue, and no translation possible. On the right, the woman sits in profile as she plays. In the middle, we look down on her from high over the chamber, while on the left, a male violinist in black shirt and trousers stands playing in a corridor of dark polished wood. On the right, her expressive hands dab the piano keys. In the middle, close to her face, we move slowly down to her hands playing the instrument, while on the right, her face is reflected in the polished wood of the upright. In the middle, we watch her at a distance from behind the arch of sofas, while on the right, her hands dab the keys. On the right, the sheet music with the words, common objects, strange upon the tongue.
On the right, a short-haired female clarinetist dressed in black stands in the centre of a square of conference tables in a wood-panelled room. In the middle screen, we follow a pair of white plimsolled feet without socks along a highly polished floor. A teenage woman with long jet black hair walks towards us dressed in a grey t-shirt and light blue jeans. She walks away from us through frosted glass double doors into a dark carpeted corridor. All the screens show a group of teenage women in white t-shirts wrapping little lights into brightly coloured short strips of plastic and piling them in the middle of a table. The glass top table reflects the blue light back onto the faces of the teenagers who work diligently, their eyes fixed firmly on their task. As we move along a red carpeted corridor with a wooden clock hanging from the ceiling towards a bookcase on the left, the two other screens show the piles of small plastic wrapped lights reflecting off the glass tabletop, then different views of the circular bench seating with red leather sofas in the chamber. On the left, we pass slowly through an open doorway into a red carpeted room where a man sits playing a dulcimer set on a tripod stand.
The right panel shows a dark office with shelves of red and green leather-bound volumes on the right-hand wall and a desk with two chairs set before a curtained window. As we move down the man's body to the flat little hammers playing the dulcimer on the left, the centre screen shows a violinist from behind playing in the corridor and, on the right, the corner of the office where the curtained window meets the bookcase of leather-bound volumes. On the right, the page of music is blurred, save the words, different breath. On another part of the page, the words, another tongue. Now on the right, a rear view of the clarinetist within the square of tables. On the two left panels, the same image, face on to the curving leather sofas and benches. On the right, a woman dressed in a dark red t-shirt and tan-coloured trousers hunches on a carpeted floor against a salmon-pink sofa to her right. The sofa faces a glass display case that contains an ermine-trimmed crown and a statuette of a golden bird with extended wings. The woman raises an arm and points to the ceiling, thumb extended. She turns her head away and lowers the arm, hunching over one knee. Raises both arms over her head, hands connected with thumbs and forefingers. She turns and kneels facing us, looking up to the display case. She raises an arm and points to the ceiling, thumb extended, one hand resting on the sofa cushion. The flat palm of her hand flicks upwards and she lowers it, eyes to the ground, connects thumbs and forefingers before her. Then the fingertips of one hand to the centre of the other palm. She stands and steps out of view, her reflection caught in a full-length mirror as she leans on a long desk. The middle panel shows her side onto us. On the left, two comfy armchairs that match the sofa sit one facing us and the other facing to the right. She raises her hands, fingertips to palm and lowers them, rolling her fists around each other. Her reflection on the right moves before she does in the centre, turning to lean both hands on the back of a chair, head bowed. 
she turns her eyes away from us to the ground. Crosses her wrists out of view over her head, looking away, and leans on the back of a chair. On the right, the front edge of the salmon pink sofa with the carpet, a darker shade of pink. Her bare feet step into view and she sinks onto one knee, a hand resting on a sofa cushion, while she steps out of view in the centre and sinks to her knees by the side of a chair facing us on the left. Leaning her elbow on the arm of the chair, her finger points to the ceiling. Through the glass cabinet she is visible, joining her fingertips over her head, whilst on the right she turns and kneels on the ground with just her right shoulder in view. She raises her hands over her head, whilst on the left screen she gets up and sits with her back against the chair on the left, one foot tucked under her, the other flat on the floor, knee raised, arms folded. Her fingertips touch overhead, then the tips of one hand tap the palm of the other. She chops the sides of her hands together as she stands on the right and steps backwards out of view. On the left she gets up and leaves. All three panels show different views of the room. In the centre she sits in a high-backed chair, her elbows on her knees, with a cabinet to the left, a gold-jewelled orb just in view. She stares straight ahead without expression. She rolls her wrists over each other and crosses her forearms as her hands appear on the right, clutching the back of the chair by the table. In the middle, her fingers flick upwards and she kneels up on the chair with one foot flat. On the right, her hands slip off the back of the chair. Kneeling in the chair, she points to the ceiling and flicks her fingers upwards as she stands up, both arms wide and flapping up. Left and right, six drummers bound along a corridor. Purple lights inside the drums reflect the polished surface of the floor. In the middle, they bound round in a circle in a large room with a seated statue at the far end. The left and right panels show different views of the springing feet on the polished floor. The same drum is shown on all panels. On the three screens, different men take to the centre of the circle and dance.
All three panels show the same man spinning, arms wide, with his blue-lit drum swinging in one hand, his drumstick in the other. Out of doors, the teenage girls catapult their little lights into the night sky with rubber bands watching them closely as they take flight. The screens begin to blur into indistinct, shadowy images. As they almost focus, the strings of the dulcimer and violin, the lights inside a drum, the keys of the clarinet and the piano can just be made out. In the centre, a young man catches some of the falling lights. Left and right, they shoot up into the dark night sky like whirling fireflies and flutter downwards out of view. All three panels show the darting little lights. On the right, they flutter past a ruined cone-shaped building in the middle of a field, whilst the other two panels show blurred images of the instruments. The dulcimer hammers come into focus in the middle, then blur again. The image morphs into the piano keyboard with fingers playing and fades out of focus again. All three screens blur, instruments coming and going, a drum, clarinet keys, violin strings, a piano keyboard. The screens focus on the faces of the eleven teenage girls who stand facing us across all three panels, singing.
we return to the original images. On the left, we look along the length of a long, high-arched corridor lined with polished mahogany doors and cream-painted walls. The right-hand screen shows a long corridor curving away to the right through two open doorways with rooms between them. The middle screen, a mural on the wall at the far end of a large office. The Roman Senate is in session, the white-robed members sitting in wooden bench seats with rounded backs that enclose a central orator. 